Scanner School, Session 4, Simplex, Duplex, and Repeaters. Welcome to The Scanner School, a podcast dedicated to the scanner radio hobby. Class is about to begin. Here is your host, Phil Lichtenberger. Welcome to our fourth session of Scanner School. I'm Phil Lichtenberger, W2LIE, and today we are talking about simplex, duplex, and repeater transmissions. So there's several ways that users on a radio system can communicate with each other. One of the simplest ways is point-to-point communications or simplex. Now, point-to-point means that one user talks directly to the other using the same frequency for transmission and reception. This is a fairly common way to communicate. The most common use for point-to-point is for like fire departments be fire ground communications on the police side sometimes simplex is used for car to car we don't need to be heard over a large distance Uh, and the key here is that it's point to point communications very limited range of use and again too you can have the same frequency reused uh, over a much uh, larger geographical area because it's got a much smaller footprint of use So if we take out the skip, the ducting, and all the wonders that make radio a great hobby, we can think about simplex basically just as a simple line of sight communication protocol. So if you were on top of a mountain, uh, you'd be able to talk much further than if you were talking from your basement. And again, if you were on top of a mountain and the person you were talking to was on top of another mountaintop, uh, then the two of you would talk over much much greater distances so again we're moving all the fun stuff uh, removing the fun stuff of radios such as skip and and, and bounce and, and ducting and, and all the other uh, all the other fun stuff so besides uh, fire ground and, and car to car what are some other examples of simplex marine radios are normally point to point as a side note RF propagates very nicely over water CB radios are uh, simplex as well. In the shortwave and HF, uh, those communications are simplex. And that's kind of the part that makes listening in the shortwave or using HF uh, really so much fun is the fact that you can communicate globally using those uh, using shortwave and HF. One of the, uh, my favorite things to do on a summer night is grab a handheld uh, shortwave receiver, uh, a telescoping antenna, sit out in the back patio, and uh, just tune around. And the stuff that you can pick up just from your patio using a handheld radio is is, uh, is really cool. So we'll discuss more about shortwave listening, uh, abbreviated SWL, which is Sierra Whiskey Lima, on a future episode of Scanner School. So what happens if you take the idea of simplex communications, but instead of transmitting and receiving on the same frequency, you used a pair of frequencies. And what if the person you are talking to mirrors the pair so that the frequency you transmit on is the frequency that they receive on, and the frequency that he transmits on is the frequency that you receive on? In this configuration, you would need to have two radios at your disposal, one for transmit and one for receive. This allows you to transmit and receive at the same time. This is considered 
duplex communications. So instead of thinking about this in radio terms, let's talk about something that we're all familiar with, our phones. They would be a duplex type of system because you can talk and hear at the same time. Our cell phones have an uplink frequency and a downlink frequency. Or in very simple terms, one frequency is for the phone to receive and another one to transmit on. So now let's build on this simplex and duplex idea and let's talk about using a repeater. And repeaters are a great way to increase the coverage area that you can communicate. A repeater works like this. All the users will transmit into the repeater's receiving frequency. And all of the users receive on the repeater's transmit frequency. So as you key the microphone on your radio, your radio will shift down or up into the input frequency to transmit. And as soon as you unkey the microphone, the radio will move back to the receive frequency to hear the repeater. So how exactly do repeaters increase the range that you can communicate? Remember that line of sight example we used earlier in Simplex? Well, a repeater just builds on that. A normal repeater site is located on top of a tall building, a tower, maybe even on top of a mountain. And being that repeaters are located in a high location, they have what you can call maybe like a bird's eye view of the RF landscape. Now, in addition to being very high, they can also have several hundred watts of RF power behind them, allowing them to go much further than your little 5 watt, half a watt, or maybe even a 20 watt mobile radio. Okay, so they are transmitting at a much higher power level than you would be. So everything that comes into the receiver is routed to the transmitter. So another side note here. If you remember in last week's session of scannerschool.com slash session three, we talked about PL, DPL, and NAC. Repeater owners typically use some sort of squelching technique to only allow those transmissions using the proper tone to be repeated through their repeater. So in other words, they filter out everything the receiver could receive, but only allow those transmissions with the correct key through the virtual door of the receiver and onto the uh, transmit side of the repeater. So users that are on their portables can easily hear other users who are also on their portables via the repeater. Even though those users may not be able to hear themselves or hear each other operating via simplex. So let's think about some good examples and good uses of repeaters. Well, one would be for dispatching, where you have a central dispatcher in a base location somewhere remote from the repeater, and you have several field units scattered around who need to communicate with each other and with a dispatcher. So police, fire, medical dispatchers would rely on a repeater system to communicate with all the units that they need to dispatch. Sometimes you'll find tactical operations may also be repeated and, and stuff like that. So another use of a repeater is where everybody would use simplex, maybe say on a fireground channel, but that simplex channel that all the fireground users are using is actually the input for the repeater. Now the users that are on fireground are not worried about the repeater because they're all communicating point to point or simplex. They're not using the repeater. 
Okay, it's transparent to them. However, the repeater is there for other users who are not on the fire scene so that they can hear what's going on. Where I live, the department that's next to me in my neighboring town uses this kind of setup. I mean, it's great for me to be able to sit here and listen to the fire ground communications and buff the live action. And sometimes what happens is the fire ground communications will, what we say, pick a fence or pop in and out of the repeater. Now, this is because the portables are not making the input for the repeater. But they don't care. They're using simplex. They're operating point to point. They're not aware they're making or not making the repeater. And that's why Fireground is really used as a simplex communication, or, or they use simplex to communicate. So remember, they're using simplex or operating point to point. So they're not aware of the fact that they're not making or they are making the repeater. They're not listening to the repeater. It's transparent. And again, that's why a lot of Fireground transmissions like to be on simplex. Okay, they're not worried about making or not making the repeater system. Now, that's not to say that all repeaters need to be centrally located on a physical structure. Sometimes you'll have what we call a vehicle repeater. Now, this would be useful in the same way that a normal repeater would be. A user leaves the vehicle, and they use a portable radio to communicate with the repeater located in their vehicle. And this repeater would then go out to the rest of the system as if they were sitting in their vehicle. Uh, typically, this would be like a, uh, a cross-band repeater where the user gets out and they use an 800 megahertz portable and their vehicle repeater will then repeat that 800 megahertz radio onto their primary VHF or UHF repeated simplex or whatever channels they, they use. So here in New York, where I live, our state police operate in that way. Now, the state police here, I'm in Troop L, and they typically use a duplex system, right? The vehicles will transmit on one frequency, the dispatches will transmit on a secondary frequency. But if they leave their vehicles, the dispatcher may not be able to hear those handhelds. So the portables are set up using the vehicle's repeater to communicate out through their dispatch channel as if they were sitting in the car. Another good example of a, of a repeater would be a fire ground repeater, right? The exact example we had just used, where you have users who are on fire ground but are picket fencing or not really making it into the repeater reliably. A on-scene vehicle repeater would take that fire ground channel and maybe push it through another input channel to the repeater so that it would have much reliable uh, input or a receive or whatever you want to call it uh, into the main fireground repeater. But you can't always have a vehicle repeater following you around, right? So how do you overcome some of these dead zones on a repeater system? So many of these areas are filled in by what we call voter sites. Now I want to talk about voter systems really briefly here because well, basically just as an FYI because it really falls into the transmission side of the house not the reception or the scanning side of things, but I feel it's good to talk about these things because I, I like the nuts, the nuts and bolts, and I find these interesting, and hopefully you guys all do too. So in the simplest form, a voter system is a set of remote receive sites that send what they receive to a voter. Let's take a step back and talk about terminology here because it can become confusing pretty quick. 
So I went online and I grabbed these definitions from repeaterbuilder.com. A receiver voter, receiver voter selector, a voting panel, or the voter, okay, receiver voter, receiver voting selector, voting panel, and the voter. Those are all terms for the actual equipment, usually a rack mounted that interprets the audio from several outlying receivers, picks the best quieting signal on the fly, and routes it to a single output. So I'll just call this a voting panel going forward. Now a voting receiver, remote receiver, satellite receiver. These are defined as an outlying receiver that feeds the voting panel. The term is sometimes used to refer all of the equipment in the outlying site. The antenna receiver, the controller, the link transmitter, or the microwave interface panel, etc. In the rest of the podcast, I'll refer to this as receive sites. So here's where it really gets interesting. When a voter receive site receives your freq- uh, receives your transmission, they send it to a central voter or the voter panel located in a central location. This voter panel then compares all of the signals sent from the receive sites, picks the very best one on the fly, and sends that to the input of the repeater. Now, a voting panel will turn off and on the different receive sites for um, for input or output on the fly. So if you're driving or if for some reason you walk behind a building and you drop out from a particular site, another one can pick you up and... Uh, and rebroadcast you into the voter stack, the voter panel. So how exactly do the remote receive sites send their signals back to the voting panel? It could be done via an RF link. It could be done using POTS or plain old telephone service. Again, that's POTS. It's Papa, Oscar, Tango, Sierra. Uh, They can use microwave or other kinds of wire links, uh, sometimes just referred to as E and M link or echo and mic links. So many times, the dispatcher's base station will be sent to the repeater system via a link as well. Uh, Since the repeater is, at this point, getting their input from the voter panel um, over some sort of transmission path, the base station is wired in the exact same way. But if the voter system should ever fail, many repeaters have the ability to fall back to its own local receiver, uh, you know, just in case. So voters are a great way to fill in coverage gaps. So for example, you could have a repeater in the middle of the county and you can have voters or receive sites on north, south, east, and west end. Then you could fill in the gaps at northeast, southeast, southwest, and northwest, giving you a greater density of receive coverage within the county. So who would use something like this? Let's think about a metropolitan police department that has most of their force on foot patrols using handheld radios or portable radios. They could be surrounded maybe by tall buildings, uh, making it very difficult to hit a central located receive site. Maybe they're walking down into a subway station or they go inside of a building and they're not going to make it to a central receive site indoors or underground. Remote receiver sites located all over uh, the, the city 
will help each portable get into a dispatcher when they need to. Okay. So one last way you can use a repeater to increase your coverage would be to network multiple repeater sites together. Again, this really isn't using um, any kind of, it could be using some sort of voter system or, uh, or something like that, but uh, that's just another way that you can increase because every repeater would be independent but yet networked together. So when one repeater, say like an East End repeater, would receive you, it would be sent over maybe an RF or a microwave, or just like a voter, uh, to the other repeaters in the same uh, network, and they would all rebroadcast you at the same time. So remember, simplex, point to point. Duplex, using two frequencies, one to receive and one to transmit, and a repeater, where you transmit on the repeater's receiver, which repeats you on its transmitter, where all the other users will receive your transmission. Repeaters are a great way to increase the RF footprint. So this session of Scanner School is sponsored by EastCoastPagers.com. East Coast Pagers is a Unication, Apollo, and Swiss phone dealer serving the North American market. From one-way numeric and alphanumeric pagers to voice and P25 pagers, they have you and your department covered. Check out EastCoastPagers.com for Unication G1 G4 and G5 products and accessories. All Unication G1 pages ship with a spare set of batteries and a spare belt clip. All G4 and G5 orders will ship with spare belt clips. Complimentary programming of your department's dispatch and fire grounds are included. You can contact eastcoastpagers.com for a custom quote for your department. That's eastcoastpagers.com. So I would like to thank all of those that wrote in this week with your questions and for those of you who have answered my emails, asking a little bit about yourselves, I love hearing your stories, and I'm hoping that sometime soon I'll be able to start bringing you guys um, onto the podcast to share your stories as well. So we have Carl and Bradford both writing in about their BCD 436 HPs. Now, I know this radio is a bit of a monster, and trust me, it can be tamed. So Carl was looking for the best way to set up his radio, and the best way to do it is use the out-of-the-box software that is included with this scanner. It's called Sentinel. If you can't get a copy of it off the scanner, I believe it's on the SD card, but you can go to the Uniden website and you can download a copy of Sentinel. Now, Bradford's question was um, a little bit of the same, but he's looking to create his own groups and put his own frequencies in using Sentinel, and that is possible. What you need to do is create a new favorites list and then you can go into the preferences menu and create your groups and your systems and start adding in manually. Now, I know it's a little bit archaic to do it that way. One of the ways that I like to do it is by using third-party software from Butel. You can find the software for this and the Butel website. But if you would prefer to use my affiliate link, and again, I would make a very small commission if you use this link, you can go to scannerschool.com slash Butel. That's B-U-T-E-L or Bravo Uniform Tango Echo Lima. And that will take you to the Butel website where you can purchase a copy of the software for not only the, the BCD 436 HP and the 536, but almost the entire Uniden and Radio Shack and GRE line of scanner radios.
I've been using Butel uh, pretty much since the unit in 780 days. So we're going back well beyond 10 years. And it's, um, it's a great piece of software. Uh, looking around the Facebook groups and even on my incoming emails, I can see that uh, these newer radios bring up a lot of questions. That's why I'm working on a tutorial series just dedicated to each scanner model, uh, starting with the current models. So not only based on Carl and and Bradford's latest emails to me, but just looking at the landscape, it would seem that the BCD436HP and the BCD536HP line seems to be the biggest pain point right now for a lot of scanner users. If you would be interested in signing up for um, some sort of online tutorial session, maybe like a learn at your own pace type of thing, drop me a line. Let me know you're interested. If enough people will, are looking for this, I will make it a priority to come up with some sort of class for this radio. Drop me a line, phil at scannerschool.com. So Bradford's also looking for a good suggestion for an external antenna. So he tells me that the AntennaCraft FT2 units are now fetching a few hundred dollars on eBay. I went on eBay this morning and I can't believe it, $2.99 for an ST2. It's ridiculous. Again, these are people who are asking that much. And I looked at the selling, the sold history. I don't see any. I don't see anybody selling these things for $2.99. They're asking for them, but I don't see anybody selling them. I got one that's brand new in the box in my attic. Make me an offer. Um, but I had an ST2 in my house for years. I loved it. And unfortunately, it didn't survive uh, one of the hurricanes that ran through my area. I swapped it out for an Austin Ferret. Now, the Austin Ferret, the reviews that are out there, either it's great or it stinks. There was like, no, like, ah, eh, it's mediocre or anything like that. So I rolled the dice in the antenna, and I'm not really thrilled to say I've fallen in the, in the it stink camp. I mean, maybe it works better with a preamp. Maybe it's just where I'm located, but I'm really not impressed with the Ferret, unfortunately. And comparing it to a disc cone that I've got mounted inside my attic space, you know, I, I think I prefer the attic space disc cone. So what I'm going to do is this spring, I'm going to pull down the ferret and I'm going to I'm going to put up my disc cone. So, um, yeah, that's where I'm going to be. And, and that's my suggestion to you, too, Bradford. So Aaron wrote in earlier this week and he writes, hi, I heard about your podcast from a guy on a scanner group here in Miami, and I'm enjoying it very much. I was wondering if you could help me with an issue I'm having with being able to pick up certain talk group IDs in my area PD. I've been struggling with this for a while now, and I can't figure out if it's an antenna thing, programming, scanner type, location, etc. Please advise what help you're able to provide. Well, Aaron, send me the exact area and system you're looking uh, for help with, and I'll try to do my best to assist you. But if you really want to quickly figure out if it's an antenna or a coax, try tuning to your local NOAA weather alert system. It's in your area. So I did a real quick blog post uh, last week about severe weather monitoring uh, on the blog section of scannerschool.com. And in there, I have listed the NOAA weather frequencies that uh, you can pop into your scanner if you want to give that a try. But, um, you know, send me a little bit of information. I'll try my best to answer you. Um, but, you know, I do get a lot of emails now, which is great. I'm, I'm loving the uh, the feedback I'm getting for you guys. So if I can't answer the, the, you know, the your question right away, please understand that, that that's why. Um, another way of getting some help, 
get on Facebook. Uh, we have a Scanner School Facebook group for uh, set up for you guys to come in and ask questions. And I'll be in there to answer questions from time to time. But it's a good uh, way of you guys kind of helping each other out and learning from, say, your, your fellow Scanner students. So that uh, quick link to get there would be ScannerSchool.com slash Facebook group. Okay, so Paul writes in and he says, I've been out of scanning for a while. I would like to listen to local PD and FD. I don't know about digital and programming P25, etc. I used to just punch in the frequency and be all set. The new stuff sounds co- uh, kind of confusing. Well, Paul, thanks for the feedback. The new stuff does sound kind of confusing, but we'll get there in just a few weeks. All right. The trunking sessions are right around the corner, and uh, we'll get you through all the digital stuff and the P25 and, and all the new stuff. So don't worry about it and stay tuned. Matt writes, have DMR questions on scanners. Is there a way to listen to DMR radio systems with a scanner? Yes, Matt, there are. The Uniden BCD996P2, the BCD325P2, the 436HP, the 536HP, uh, all will allow you to monitor DMR, but with a paid upgrade. Okay. Uh, on the Whistler side, you got the WS1080, the 1088, TRX1, and the TRX2 will also allow you to monitor DMR. Radio Shacks Pro 18, the Pro 668, and the GRE PSR 800 can be upgraded for a fee if you send it to Whistler. And information for that is on the Whistler website. Okay, Whistler bought out GRE, uh, who made the scanners or made most of the scanning uh, hardware for Radio Shack. So Dave, who's a co-moderator at EerieCoBlotter.com, checked in this week too. Dave, I was actually on that site a few weeks ago taking notes. I own the domains pdblotter.com and nypdblotter.com and several other variations of those, and I never did anything with them. So I was um, taking some time over the last few weeks and looking at some of the other PD blotter type of sites, uh, just looking for ideas and and um, inspiration for what I could do with my own blotter.com domains. Um, I love to pick your brain and um, maybe trade some notes and, and discuss what you're doing and, and maybe even have you on the podcast. Let me know how you're using scanners and, and what you're listening to to populate what you're posting on EerieCoBlotter.com. I'd, uh, I'd love to have you on here. Kevin, W7DQL, he checks in and he writes, uh, him and his 17 scanners actually check in. Uh, his email echoed the same remarks that other emails have uh, over this past week. Things are analog now, but digital is creeping in and it's time to learn P25 and P25 trunking. So again, Kevin, we're going to get there as soon as we're done with the very basic stuff. Uh, give it another two or three weeks and we'll get right into the P25. Uh, actually, we'll start with the trunking and we'll get into P25, okay? So remember, you can submit your questions or feedback to phil at scannerschool.com. Uh, I may not be able to answer all the emails directly or right away because uh, the good thing is I'm getting a lot of feedback from you, from everybody and I love your feedback. So if I don't respond to you right away, please don't be insulted. I'm really, I am getting flooded. Uh, the best way, though, to to maybe ask questions, though, is jump on our Facebook group. Again, it's scannerschool.com slash Facebook group. And don't forget, too, you can also leave me feedback and questions on SpeakPipe. Uh, I haven't received any yet, so if any of you are, are brave enough to be the first one to do it, please, I think it's a great way that you can leave some feedback 
uh, and, and put your audio onto the show. There's a link for SpeakPipe in the show notes for every podcast. And basically what you do is you, is you click on the icon and it allows you to use the microphone on your computer, your tablet, or your smartphone to leave me a voice message. And I can grab that voice message and I can embed it into the podcast and I'd be able to play back your feedback and then comment on it. So I think it'd be a really, um, a really interesting enhancement if you guys want to do that. Um, I think it's easier for me to, to play back a file than to, to try and read a couple emails too. So uh, somebody please give it a shot. Uh, again, I hope you found the podcast info. If you have any questions or feedback, please scannerschool.com slash session four. Uh, you'll also find some bonus materials there that will go along this podcast. I have a couple of images that uh, break down uh, simplex and, and duplex and repeater systems. Just a couple of uh, real quick doodles, I guess you can call them. And uh, again, just fill out the form, scannerschool.com slash session three. That'll get you a PDF version of uh, the handouts as well as throw you on our email list. And again, for those of you who are using iTunes, please Get on to iTunes and leave a comment and rate about rate the show. All right. I don't one star, five stars, whatever it is, leave an honest uh, feedback and, uh, and rate the show. I will take everybody's reviews and feedback and use that to help build upon and improve the podcast. So we'll see you next week. Next Tuesday, we'll discuss AM, FM, sideband, narrowband, and Y-Band. Until then, I want to say 7-3. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your feedback. And thanks for pushing uh, Scanner School off to a really great start. 7-3. Talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the Scanner School podcast. Be sure to visit www.scannerschool.com to access the show notes and bonus content.